0: Shalom. This is Abigail Rak. Today we'll be doing our third unit in the stories of Yosef and his brothers in Parashat Yishev, beginning from verse twenty-five. The setting of our first class took place in Chiven, where we met the characters. The sec- setting of the second class took place in Shechem, then in Dotan, where the in, the scheme to throw Yosef into the po- to the pit was implemented. And the setting of the third place takes place somewhat away from the pit, somewhere in Dotan. It's important to observe here that we don't hear Yosef's voice here at all. From the time Yosef searches for his brothers, Yosef is silent. He doesn't say anything when they want to throw him in the pit, and he doesn't say anything from the pit. We'll find out a little bit later on that Yosef actually does cry from the pit. But here the Tanakh does not describe it. this. I mentioned in our first class the great novel by Thomas Mann, Joseph and his brothers. He brings there a beautiful section describing Yosef's plea to his brothers once he has been thrown in the pit. But here we have nothing uh, in our text, and we just have to use our imagination. So let's begin from verse 25. The brothers sit down to eat, and they lift their eyes, and they see a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from the Gilad, and their camels are carrying spice, bomb, to bring down to Egypt. Several of the commentators address this meal, this feast of the brothers, va'yishvu chol lefen. In what way does this meal contribute to the understanding of the characters or to the development of the plot? And we're going to see there's two possible approaches to explain this. One approach is that this meal, we're told of this meal, and it is criticism of the brothers. This meal tells us something about the brothers' character. You had just, the brothers had just thrown their brother into a pit. That is a death sentence. And they sit down and eat? This is cruelty. This is cold heartedness. The Midrash on Megillat Esther on the verse Shtot are going to criticize the brothers is going to criticize the brothers harshly, and say, You sold your brothers while feasting? By my word, your descendants will be sold within a feast. Right after Haman and the king make this transaction to get rid of the Jews, we're told that the king and Haman sit down sit down to eat. And Avraham ben Harambam, which we've already quoted in our classes a number of times, mentions here that this pasuk is here, this description of this meal, to tell us that they did not show any remorse and they were cruel Um, in their behavior, both by what they did and by not showing any remorse or guilt by the fact that they sit down afterwards to eat. However, perhaps this meal has nothing to do with the character of the brothers, but it is crucial information which is necessary for the understanding of the development of the story, which we will shortly understand. It's clear that the brothers are not sitting right by the pit. The reason we know this, the way we know this, is because in a very short while we're going to be told that Ruven had returned to the pit. Assuming Ruven is with his brothers, and there's no reason not to assume that Ruven was his brothers, especially since we know that Ruven is going to want to save Yosef from dying in the pit, he's not going to go home. He will hang out with his brothers. So when it says that Ruven is returning to the pit, that means he's returning from being with his brothers to the pit. So we understand from me is that the brothers are not sitting by the pit. As they are sitting and eating, they are looking towards the mountain range of the Gilad, north of Jordan. And they see a caravan of Ishmaelite merchants traveling to Egypt. How do they know they're traveling to Egypt? And how do they know they're Ishmaelites? The Ramban says that the trademark of Ishmaelites were the camels. It's like seeing U-Haul today. So that was the U-Haul. They were the ones that owned camels and they um, carried merchandise to Egypt. So their eyes are on this caravan that are coming from the Gilad, which is a few hour travel from where they're sitting. And they still have quite a few hours to come from the Gilad to near, pass by not far from where, where they are. The, the Ishmaelites are not going to cross by Dotan, but they'll cross by Emek Israel, which is not far. How do we know that that's where they're going to travel? Because they're traveling on the ancient merchant route, which connects between Syria and Mesopotamia, and Egypt, between the north and the south. This route was known as the Via Maris, which means the Way of the the Sea. This historic road began in Syria, had had cut through Emek Israel, the Valley of Israel, and and ran across the Israeli Mediterranean coast, hence the Way of Sea. It's also known in Tanakh as Derech Eretz Plishtim, so it was a well-known route, and if they see merchants traveling um, south, then they'd know that this is a, that's their destination. And upon seeing these merchants, Yehuda suggests a, pl- a change of plan. Verse 26. Vayomer Yehuda el echav. Ma betz haroget achinu vechissinu et damo? L'chuv nimkereno liishmayilin. V'yadainu al t'yivu, ki achinu v'sarinuhu. V'yishmehu echav. Yehuda says to his brothers, What gain is there by selling our brother and covering up for his murder? Instead, let us sell him to Ishmaelites so that we are not killers, for he is our own flesh and blood. And his brothers accepted this plan. What is Yehuda's motivation in changing the plan? It is unlikely that he's doing this in order to save Yosef's life. Selling one to slavery was practically a death sentence. In the ancient world, slavery was, was worse than that, was, was like living like an animal. A slave's life was worth, worthless. He was treated like cattle. He had absolutely no rights whatsoever. Therefore, we can't say that Yehuda's motivation is a moral motivation or out of concern for Yosef. Yehuda's motivation is explicit in the verse ma beza?" In his own words, what's in it for us? What gain can we get? We will gain nothing if we, by having him die. Whereas we can gain financially by selling him. Furthermore, if we die, we have to get rid of the evidence. We're going to have to get rid of... Somehow, some evidence might come up. However, if we sell him, no one will ever hear of him again. He'll go down to Egypt. No slave has ever come out of Egypt. No one will ever hear of him again. And therefore, it's in our best interest to sell him. And so the brothers are all in agreement to sell Yosef, and the brothers are waiting for the caravan of Ishmaelites to come to from the Gilad to Emek Israel, where they eventually will meet up, the, the brothers will take Yosef and meet up with them. And that is their plan. Verse 28. midyanim <speaking> socharim, Yosef min habor, <Hebrew> et Yosef leishmailim Vayaviot Yosef Mitzrayma. And Midianite merchants pass by, and they pull Yosef out of the pit, and they and sold him to Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Yosef to Egypt. This verse throws us off. What happened to the Ishmaelites? They were going to sell him to the Ishmaelites. How did the Midianites come into the picture? Where is Reuven? Where is Yosef at this point? There are several approaches to resolve these verses. We're going to continue to follow Rashbam's explanation here. As we recall, we said the brothers are not sitting by the pit. They're waiting for the Ishmaelite caravan to come. However, meanwhile, a different group of merchants, unbeknown to the brothers, a group of Midianites, pass by the pit, possibly hearing Yosef crying out. They pull Yosef out of the pit and continue on their journey. At some point later on, these Ishmaelites are going to get closer. And Ruven, as he sees the Ishmaelites are getting closer, leaves his brothers and returns to the pit in order to save Yosef before his brothers sell him. Let's read this in the next verse. Verse 29. Yosef, Joseph Reuven returns to the pit, and to his great shock and horror, Yosef is no longer in the pit. Reuven goes, tears his clothing. We're going to try to see why is he, what's the significance of tearing the clothing shortly. Reuven returns to his brothers, verse 30. Reuven returns to his brothers and says the child is gone. The brothers don't say to him, oh, we sold him. And Reuven doesn't even ask the brothers what happened to him. Where did he go? Because he knows that there's no way the brothers did anything to Yosef because they were sitting with him. And the brothers don't respond to Reuven because they have no idea what happened to Yosef. What does Reuven tell his brothers? Hayelet eineno. And we'll see later on. The phrase eineno does not mean has gone missing. It means dead. It clearly means dead. So he says, I yell at Aineno, Ani Ana Ani Ba, and what's going to be of me? Now, let's he, now when he says Ani Ana Ani Ba, which should be read as, as a kina, as a lamentation, Ani Ana Ani Ba, uh, we also see the alliteration here Aineno Ani Ana Ani. And what the reader hears and the listener hears is Ani 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 Ani. Reuven's concern is not with Yosef. He is not worried about what's going to be with Yosef. Reuven's concern is what's going to be of me. If Yosef is gone missing, Ruven is going to be the prime suspect. Reuven has most motivation to get rid of Yosef. Ruven has most to lose by Yosef's existence. If Yosef is chosen as the Bechor, if Yosef is chosen as the leader, he is Reuven is rejected. Another interesting idea um, is that remember our parasha began with Yosef being bringing bad words to Yaakov against his brothers. If you recall in Parashat Vayishlach, in chapter 35, verse 32, it says, Vayelech Reuven, Vayishkavet Bilha, Pilegash Aviv, Vayishma Yisrael. Reuven sleeps with Bilha, and Yaakov hears. And shortly afterwards, we're told of the Diba, of the bad words that Yaakov says against his brothers. It is possible that the bad words that Yosef brings to Yaakov against his brothers. Maybe it's that Reuven's left with Bilha, as it says, "Vaishma Israel." So he has good reason to want to. Whether it's this or him be, ha, being the prime suspect, because he has most to lose by by Yosef disappearing. In any case, he has good reason to worry for himself. And when he tears his clothing, he is not tearing kriah. For Yosef. He is really tearing clothing his clothing for himself. He is mourning himself. Oi, what will be of me? Hayel. It's also interesting to notice that he changes it from Yosef Aineno to hayeled Eineno, the child. Because why does he say why doesn't he use Yosef? Uh, perhaps if he were to use Yosef, that would show that he has compassion to Yosef. But Yeled neutralizes it, but and doesn't. It's it's not out of my compassion to him as as my brother Yosef. Um, and as much as you, Reuven is doing this for his own motivation, it's still uh, we still have to know, observe that he refers to Yosef as as a child, someone who is who can't protect himself, a a young helpless child. Of course, as we said, the brothers don't respond to Ruven's words because they don't know what to respond. They have no idea what happened to Yosef. And what they do respond, they respond in action. So if Yosef's problem is that he will be, if Ruven's problem is that he will be accused, that he will be a suspect, let's make it seem that it, had we did not, we have no idea what happened to him, that he was killed somehow. So let's read verse 31. They take the ketonet of Yosef, They dip it in goat's blood. This will this will make it seem as though he has been devoured by an animal. Verse thirty-two. They sent the ketonet. And they brought the ketonet to their father, and they said, We had found this. Is this your sons or not? This verse is difficult. If they had sent the ketonet, how could they bring it? So perhaps they had sent it with others to Hebron, maybe some some people that were passing by, or people that they hired to bring in the ketonet, and then they took it from them, from them once they reached Hebron, because it would seem very suspicious if they would enter Hebron carrying the ketonet. So they go back to Hebron, and they send with others the ketonet to bring to Hebron. Radak explains that the root of the word Vayishalchu, and they sent, comes from the Hebrew word Shelach. Shelach means a sword. And according to this, the brothers, Vayishalchu does not mean to send, but the brothers slice the garment. They slice the garment before bringing it to the father so it would look like an animal, as though an animal tore tore with its teeth through the garment. Hence, they slice it and then they bring it. The attuned reader realizes the significance of, of the coat in this whole story and the goats here. The attuned re, re, reader realizes that the deception of the father with cloth clothes of his beloved son and the goat in the story is very much reminiscent of another story of deception and a father and the goats. When Yaakov steals Esav's brachot, Yaakov then wears Esav's special clothing, Day Esavak chamudot, which would be parallel to the ketonet pasim, and Yaakov enters with a slaughtered goat. Yaakov, in the story of the brachot that he steals from his brother Esav, deprived his father Yitzhak from blessing his beloved son, Here, the exact same scene repeats itself. Only this time, Yaakov is the one that's going to be deceived. And Yaakov is the one that's going to be deprived of blessing his beloved son. This is the Torah's way of criticizing Yaakov's behavior when stealing the brachot. By telling us that now he's going to be paying the price for having done that. Yaakov receives the ketonet, recognizes it. And verse 33, Vayakira vayomar. Vayom Vayakira Vayomer, Ketonet B'ni, Chaya ra'a Achalatu, Tarof Toraf Yosef, Indeed, this is my son's ketonet. He has been devoured by an animal. He's been attacked. Tarof, toraf, Yosef. Shadal observes here that this verse describes the process of consciousness of of Yaakov, how he internalizes slowly what had happened. At first, he identifies the ketonet, and he says, ketonet bini, this is my son's ketonet. Second stage, upon seeing the blood, he realizes what had happened to Yosef he's been devoured, and finally he imagines this violent scene of Yosef and Yosef being torn and suffering. Tarof toraf Yosef, verse thirty-four. Vayikra Yaakov simlotav vayasem sac bemotnav vaitabel al bno yamim rabim Yakov tears his clothing. He puts sackcloth upon himself, and he mourns his son for many days, for years. This is the third tearing of clothing we have in this story. The first ter- clothing that was torn, Ruven tears his clothes. Then the brothers tear the ketonet. Now Yaakov tears his clothing. Chapter 37 began with a complete piece of clothing, a complete ketonet that ends up in shreds we begin chapter 37 with a complete family that ends up in shreds. And what we're going to have to try to see, can the shreds be woven back together? Can the family be woven back together? However, I do want to point out that there's a slight difference between the tearing of Reuven's clothing and the tearing of Yaakov's clothing. By Reuven it says, begadav," And with Yaakov it says, Simlotav. Is there a difference between Kriyat Begadim, the Beged, the clothing, and Smalot, which simply, they're both clothing. Is there any significant difference? The word Beged, uh, Rav Shem, Shem Rafal Hirsch, who liked very much uh, etymology of words, suggests that the word Beged comes from the word Begida, betrayal. When Reuven tears his clothing, there is a context of betrayal. There is deception. It is not remorse. It is not sadness. It is Within the story of deception, when Yaakov tears his clothing, there's no deception there. There's no betrayal. That's new, there's no betrayal. That's neutral. That's why it uses simla. Throughout our story, from here onwards, clothing are going to play a very major role in the story. And as we follow the clothing, the clothing is going to be a metaphor for what's happening in the family. And so, let's continue to verse thirty-five. Yaakov's daughters and sons tried to comfort him, but Yaakov refuses to be be comforted, and his father cried for him. Rashi, based on the Midrash, explains that his father cried for him is Yaakov's Father cries for Yaakov, meaning Yitzchak. Reason Yaakov, the reason Rashi explains it that way, because the pasuk could have just said, "VaYomer," v- 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 which is Yaakov. I will go to my. I would. I will go to my son to show, which is, I will not be comforted until I die. And he cried for him. It doesn't say that. It says, "And his father cried for him." Had it been Yaakov, it should have just said, continuing the subject, "And he cried for him." So therefore, Rashi says, Yitzchak cries for, for behalf of his son. Radak explains, Vayef aviv, that, every, that, that it is Yaakov that's crying. And every time Yaakov remembers his relationship of a father and a son, every time he remembers his role as an Abba to his son Yosef, that brings him to tears. Vayef aviv. Our story ends with information that only us, the readers, are given. The main characters in the story are unaware of this. Verse thirty-six. The midanim had sold him to Egypt to Potifar, the one of the officers of Paro, Sar Hatabachim, the chief executioner of Paro. Sar Tabachim. Tabachim is not the chief cook. We will see that he is clearly the chief executioner as he also owns, uh, he's also in charge of a prison. And we also know that we're familiar with Sar HaTabachim, from Sefer Melachim, where there's clearly Sar, uh, the chief executioner. So everyone is sure Yosef is dead. But we're told, the reader's told, don't worry, he's in Egypt. Our trip chapter 37 began in Hebron and ends in Egypt. The introduction to the chapter now turns into somewhat irony. Vayeshev Yaakov Aviv but he ends up in Mitzrayim. If you recall, in our first class, we explained that the word toledot, eile toledot, Yaakov, appears when we are about to see a significant geographical relocation. Here is that beginning of the significant geographical relocation. Bayashev Yaakov, be'eretz toledot, and the, we are about to move to Egypt. A relocation, that there was a divine plan, as told to Avraham in the covenant of the parts in Brit ben Tarim comes to fruition in this manner manner because of the actions of the brother. It is important to notice that this entire chapter, God's name, does not appear even once. Not when Yosef dreams, not when Yosef is in the pit, not, not by Yaakov, not by the brothers. We will see shortly, next in two classes from now, what is the significance of, the, of that. In our next class, the scene shifts from Yosef and is going to focus on Yehuda. Shalom.